morning, everybody. Would you pray for my good friend, Jay Dennis, at First Baptist Church? Uh, he's retiring and resigning from his church today. So I, I know I've uh, been around a little while when lead pastors resign. It really impacts the church. So would you pray for First Baptist and pray for Jay? He's been physically, uh, just physically challenged for a, a long time. And, and uh, at the end of the year last year, he thought he was better. But this year, a plethora of other problems. And he's a young man, 50, I think 50, Jay's 57, so that's young. Uh, so just pray for First Baptist. Would you do that? Um, <clears throat> seven words from the cross. This is the third message. The first message uh, I spoke to you on, it was about forgiveness. Everybody with me? About forgiveness. And uh, said, Father, forgive them for they know that what they do. Last week, Chris Owens did a wonderful job with assurance. And the uh, thief on the cross who, who wanted to be assured of being able to go to heaven uh, Jesus made this statement, I assure you today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today's message is about love, about love, love, amen? Love makes the world go round, baby. Yeah, <clears throat> no it doesn't, about love. We're going to spend this message today because it's the way that God uh, gave it to me, uh, differently than any other message that I've ever spoken as it relates to that word, love. So each of you, you have kind of a spiritual barometer that's going to move a little bit. <clears throat> My prayer is that if you'll just be open in your mind and your spirit, that that needle will move a little bit. And that some of you during this message, you'll say, hallelujah, I got that one down. You know, I got that one, that one, I've got that okay in my life. Others of you will say, wow, I need to, I need to move the needle. <coughs> Just a little bit. How many have a good imagination? Come on, come on, come on now. You get to imagine. How many of you have a good enough imagination for the person near you that didn't raise their hand? I raised my hand. I do. Now I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine the cross. You've seen, uh, you've seen the crucifixion scenes. You've seen that. You see three crosses on Golgotha's hill, the pinnacle there. Many people have been crucified there. You can feel and sense the breeze of death blowing in the air, and it is an awesome and gruesome scene. Mary is standing there at the foot of the cross. Jesus, of course, and two thieves are hanging there, and one of Jesus, if not his best friend, the beloved disciple, John, is the only one there of the disciples. If you look at Jesus, he's already in agony. His body is flexing to the degree that he was beaten with a cat of nine tails, which is actually lead that is, a, is like a claw that digs into the flesh. Usually, cat of nine tails, when you've been beaten with that, you get 40 stripes. Jesus had more than 200 on his back that just tore the flesh away from the bone and the sinew and bruises that were there according to what we've been able to find. He's gone through six trials that night, three Roman trials and three religious trials. All were illegal because you didn't have trials at, at night. They were taking advantage of it and railroading him to the cross. They beat him. You know the story, scourged him so many times it was unbelievable. 
Most of the time, most people died when you would get beat with a cat of nine tails because they bled to death before literally getting to the crucifixion or to the cross, not Jesus, he's there. There's four to six women down. If you can look down at the, at the bottom there and, uh, of the cross and you see Mary, who is the mother of Jesus, and four to six women that are there, we know some of their names. There's that one person that's there, John the beloved disciple, but no other disciple and no other relative of Jesus. Where were, where were you at when I needed you? And Jesus expresses love in his greatest pain. Does he have an axe to bear? You better believe in the natural he does. Would he have a right to say, I'm going to get even eventually? You better believe he does in the natural. But not in the supernatural. He takes a look at his mother in John 19, 27, and this is what it says about that event. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple John, whom he loved, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Tradition tells us that Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived approximately 12 years after the crucifixion. Those 12 years, she lived with John, and John, that beloved disciple, took care of her. There are two things that we're going to look out initially, and one is we learn what it means to love like Jesus and we also learn what Jesus does when in pain. If I'm going to love like Jesus, here are just several points. I must care for my family. Say that with me. I must care for my family. You could use the term, I must care about my family. He's stating that love is something that you do, not something that you say. It's a choice, and it is an action. How do you, how do you emanate that love that is there? Number one, love pays attention. Love, in fact, pays attention. He paid attention to his grieving mother. He looked down and saw her broken heart. He's dying on the cross. He ignored the other multitudes of individuals who were rubberneckers who just came to see what's going on. They showed up at every crucifixion. He ignored the scoffers. He ignored the Roman uh, government who had soldiers there that were taking a party. He gave her attention. You see, attention sometimes is more valuable than money. It uh, can be more valuable than about any gift. And when you pay attention to someone, you give them time and, and you give them respect. And Jesus expressed that kind of attention to love his mother the disciples, they ran. They knew if they were there, they would be arrested. They're not going to take the chance. Hey, Jesus, you're, you're on your own. We serve with you. We said that we would never forsake you. We joined you. We were a part of your miracles. But when it comes to our getting in trouble of being arrested, see you later. You see, Jesus wanted the world to know when he read that scripture. It's one of the, it's the fifth commandment. It's not a fifth suggestion. Honor your father and honor your mother. Say that with me. Honor your father and mother. Come on, say it again. Honor your father and mother. There is no uh, statute of limitations on that. 
There is no time in. My mom and dad, you might say, are both dead. You are still to honor them. You're not to talk bad about them. Well, I, I had a rough raising. My dad, my mom, and you could take a, a journey on that. Always remember this. You got one mom and you got one dad. Always honor them because that is the Word of God. Somebody say a good amen. You see, God knew what you needed. They are a part of you, and in their DNA, they shared it with you. Love provides for needs. It meets needs. Not only pays attention, but it meets needs. The words Jesus spoke is his last will and testament. That's what the Bible is. The Old Testament, the New Testament is Jesus, is God's word, the last will and testament. Joseph had died earlier. We know that. Mary's husband was gone. Jesus, Jesus, of course, Joseph was Jesus' stepfather. God Jehovah was his father, but Mary was truly his biological mother. And now old and poor and a widow, he said, John, take care of my mom. And mom, I want you to lean on John like you would lean on me. What did Jesus have to give? The Bible said he had no place to lay his head. He had no money. He had no clothing. They gambled that away. He had nothing to leave her. And it was quite an experience in that moment. What I can give you is attention, Mom. What I can give you is love. And what I can give you is a chest to be able to lean on of a man that I deeply love, John and his family. Mary, what kind of price did she pay because Jesus was her son? I mean, let's face reality. You see, the bottom line is Mary was not God. She was not divine. Jesus did not pray to Mary and say, take me down from the cross. Jesus wanted off the cross. He could have gotten off the cross. The nails didn't hold him there. It was the love for you and me that held him there. Mary now is frail and is going to need that protection that only comes from Jesus and his love. 1 Timothy 5, 3 and 4. Listen carefully, show respect for widows who really are all alone. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn first to carry out their religious duties toward their own family and in this way repay their parents and grandparents because that is what pleases the Lord. You see, pleasing God starts at home. It doesn't start at the church. It starts at home. Paul writes this, 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives, meaning his brothers and sisters, and especially his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's extremely strong. It says, listen, care for your kids, care for your mom, care for your dad. And if you're not caring for your parents, here's what he says, you're worse than an atheist. Think about it. Think about it. That's how important caring for your family really means. And it's 1 Timothy 5 and 8. Put it down. Write it down. Love gives emotional support. How many of you need emotional support? Just kind of nod your head like you're emotionally unstable. Go ahead. We all need emotional support. I met people who I knew needed emotional support, but they didn't know it. Somebody needs to help that child. Emotional support. One of the most tender moments in Scripture where Mary is there and she's watching her son being tortured. Think about it, Mom. She's watching her son be tortured, who never did anything wrong, never sinned, always there to help people, always cared for her. And she's looking up at him. There is no language to be able to express what she must have felt. 
But being Jesus' mother was quite a challenge. That was a lot of emotional baggage. Well, let's take for a moment when she's pregnant. I mean, after a while, everybody found out that Mary's pregnant. You know what people are saying? They assume what you would assume. Well, Mary and Joseph, they're engaged, but surely they must have gotten together. Joseph, when did you and Mary get together? And you got, she's pregnant with a baby. I didn't. Mary, who's the father? The Holy Spirit, God. <laughs> yeah. You expect me to, I've been around the block a few times. You wouldn't believe that. She lived under the Spirit her entire life of illegitimacy. Because nobody could really understand how it would be possible for an immaculate birth to take place in a woman. But it was the truth. Not only that, when Jesus was a baby, they took him to the temple. When they took him to the temple, I want you to know Simeon came out and said, Oh, I've seen, I've seen the Messiah. But he also said, Hey, Mary, your son is going to have the sword pointed at him all the time. And you're going to live under duress and suffer all your life just like he suffers. Well, thank you, Simeon. I needed that word of encouragement right now. When Mary said, who are you carrying? Baby, what, what is the baby? What are you going to call him? His name's Jesus. Who is he? He's the son of God. Now you're off your rocker, Mary. He's the son of God. Do you understand? You say, all right, you're making that real. That's exactly the way that human behavior functioned then as it functions now. We're doing pretty good, but it's not two years of age yet. Herod gets a nutcase idea, and he said, somebody's trying to take my throne. I, uh, throne. I heard there was a person that was born and going to be the Messiah, and he goes out, I'm going to kill all the kids under the age of two, the males, male children, that is. I'm going to kill them. God spoke to Joseph, said, get out of here. They called two men in a truck <laughs> and went to Egypt. And went to Egypt. Why? Man, this baby's causing me so much problem. We can't even stay here. Two men in a truck. Do you know what they charged? It's unbelievable what they charged. To move to Egypt. We didn't even want to move. But Jesus, we got to protect your life. So illegitimacy that's there. Going to be, going to have the sword pointed at him the whole time. And now we're having to move to Egypt. How long are we going to stay there? Finally, they made it back. Jesus is in full-term ministry now. He's 30 years of age. He goes into Nazareth. He has performed many wonderful miracles. He's called the dead uh, from their death grave before, and he announces that he is the Son of God. The people that he played marbles with when he was a child, the individuals that he was raised with, his own family members said, now, I'm telling you, we always thought Mary was a and now Jesus is saying that he is the son of God. You know what they did? They, they lured him over to the edge of a cliff, and here's what they tried to do. They tried to push him over the edge of a cliff and kill him. Boy, thanks. That's family love, buddy. All these are stories that depicts the torture, and she looks up and says, after all this, he is so innocent. And now I'm watching him be crucified. His face cannot be recognized. John, the beloved one, stood beside his mother, and Jesus says, John, 
take care of my mother. Proverbs 17, 7, friends love through all kinds of weather. And families stick together in all kinds of trouble. Do you believe that? Say amen. You see, we pay attention to the needs of our family and others. We provide for our family. We give them emotional support. Husband, what about wives? Husband and wives. Ephesians 5.25, here it is. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up and sacrificed his life for her. We love the church. We love Jesus. But men, you're supposed to love your wife. The bottom line is, it is a fact that husbands are to be the head of the family. I didn't say head of the home. I say head of the family. You might say, well, I don't believe that because I believe in equality has absolutely nothing to do with equality. Men have no greater value than women, and women have no greater value than men. But there is a position that God has ordained and said, sir, you are the umbrella that keeps your family safe, keeps your family secure, keeps your family holy, live a life circumspectly before God that you are that spiritual leader. And here's the bottom line. What does a man do? A man says, I am going to protect my family, protect my wife, protect my kids. That is the position. If somebody dies, listen, daddy dies first. It's the way it's supposed to be. Not like when you hear a noise and she hears a noise downstairs and turns to the husband and said, go down there and check it out. And I told Sharon, I'm not going down there. <laughs> I got to make a living. You go down there. You so good, nothing bad would happen to you. I don't know about me. You see, that's what that's about, that you would be willing to give. As a, you would give your life as Jesus gave his life for the church. Yeah, I know she's been killing me for years, Well, let me move on. I must treat other believers as my family, red and yellow, black and white. We are all precious in his sight. Listen carefully. I'm a follower of Christ. It means every other Christian and everybody else in the church is my brother and my sister. Blood is thicker than water. But let me tell you something thicker than blood. It is a spiritual bond that lasts for eternity. You're going to have family and family members and relatives that are going to die, but those you're related to spiritually are going to live forever. Amen. You're going to dance and shout and enjoy heaven all your life. We are related by spiritual, spiritual anointing from God. Matthew 12, prove it. Here it is. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. I'm related to you whether you like it or not. Hello? There's a stronger bond knowing that not only we're Christian brothers but you're neighbors and you're related to them. Here's 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man but appeal to him as your father. In other words, don't snap at an older man. Don't disrespect an older man, but appeal to him as your father. Treat the young men as your brothers. Treat older women as mothers and young women as sisters with all purity. In other words, we have a big, big 
church family. I have many spiritual mentors in my life. I mentioned one at communion, D.J. Burrell, J. Foy Johnson, E. Ray Schultz, Cecil Wiggins, Hubert Wilder, all of those individuals poured into my life spiritually as spiritual brothers, and I was a part of a spiritual son. And I have many brothers, and I have many sisters. I, I, one thing I don't have is a spiritual mother because I cannot find a woman who's going to admit that they're old enough to want me. <laughs> you provide for their needs. You look for people to be able to help. You see one in need, if you're a young person, you look out for the older people. Get the door for them. I was dreaming when I was doing this message. I thought I'd love to have young people out in the area out here, the handicapped parking lot, young people out there taking, taking individuals that might need a little help and get a, maybe have a cane or a wheelchair. Wouldn't it be, it'd be a real sight for me to see young people that say, come on, grandpa, granddad, or come on, grand, whatever you want to call them, let me help you in the door. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see that kind of amalgamation of age that are there? And then let me tell you, let me tell you old people something, whatever that is. Don't ever stop praying for these young people. I'm telling you, the devil is going after them and fighting for them tooth and toenail. When you say, I don't have anything to pray for, pray for the young people. Pray for the young couples. Pray for the young families because they're saying, I want to live a holy life, a godly life. I want to make right parties. Your prayer as a person who's reached that stage in life, you have the time to do it. Pray for them. Somebody said, amen. Here's the word of the wise, John 7. Be sure you show love and respect to those you should love and respect before it's too late. I said to Sharon yesterday, I've said it before regarding this couple. I, I went my first year at Southeastern and in high school. I said, you know, I'm going to call them up and we're going to take them out to dinner. She said, well, what's, what's that all about? It's just in my heart. It was a dear friend. Haven't seen him in who knows. Take a guess. 10 years, 15 years. I don't know, but it's been too long. So I'm going to take him out to dinner. I want to let him know. I sat with DJ Burrell yesterday, 92 years of age. I probably won't celebrate 93. If he's listening by the live feed, I'm sorry. <laughs> but tell the people that you love and respect now and make it meaningful I just want to let you know that I love you that ain't enough that isn't enough make it meaningful to them Galatians 6.10 whenever we have the opportunity to help anyone say anyone we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who belong to the family of believers. What does that mean? There are people in this church that have needs. Pay attention to them. If you, you know individuals here say, I don't know anybody, it's your fault. Just give you yard talk. That is your fault. Get to know somebody. Hang out long enough to get to know them. Amen? They're family. They're part, of your, they're part of your spiritual family. Get to know them. And then look out. For those of us, look out. Look out. 
Look out. You hear me say to the tickets, if you, any of you ladies that say, I don't have enough money. I don't have the $15. Maybe you got 10 You know, that's good. Maybe you got 11 I don't care. Maybe you got 8 Maybe you don't have any. And you want to go to that? Tell them back there. I'll take, you know, I'll take care of it. I'll see that it's taken care of. I always give out. And, and I'm, we're always, I'm all, we're all sharing it. I'm always delighted to do it. And I, and I have others in the church that do it. And if I needed help for you, I'm going to tell them, here's what I need from you. I had one time, one, and one of our missionaries needed $65,000 to close a deal on a piece of property. It was Randy Herring, as a matter of fact. Pastor, I need $65,000. Or this deal on the property that we have in Kids King's Castle is, is just not going, to, is not going to happen. I said, let me call you back. I called up a friend. He said, what do you need, Pastor? I, I need $65,000. He said, you need it for what? I need it for this. He said, come down and get it. In 30 minutes, I had his money in the bank. I'll be calling some of you. (laughs) Why? You help people out. I must see the pain of others when I'm in pain. How many many of you women know that your husband is a big old baby when he gets sick? That's right. Go ahead and raise your hand. You're a strong woman. That's right. He's a big old baby. You you didn't raise your hand, did you, Sharon? No, you did not. (laughs) I rebuke you. (laughs) When you're hurting, is the best time to help somebody else out. You know what the enemy wants you to do? To get in your own pity party and wallow around. And all you're going to do is get dirty and discouraged. But in your own pain, if you reach out and help someone else, that in itself is a healing balm that brings something to you that only God can do. Philippians 2.5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. How much more pain can you be in than being on the cross hung? And he reaches down and he helps his mother. 1 Peter 4 and 1, since Christ suffered and underwent pain, you must have the same attitude he did. You must be ready to suffer too. Remember, when your body suffers, sin loses its power. We don't whine. We don't withdraw. We don't step back. We don't cry. We stand strong and said, I need to help some if I help somebody, I'll forget how bad I feel. Here's another. I meet needs when I have needs of my own. I always tell people, you want to give yourself out of a financial amount, give yourself out of it. Give yourself out of it. Don't say, if you ever get to the place that you do this, you're missing blessings from the Lord. If you keep your hands open and your arms open, God will send you something that will bless you. Can you hear Jesus say, hey, Mom, I understand you're old. I understand you already, you already, got, you already have your Social Security. Mom, I know it's not enough. Mom, I know you need another medical plan and all of that, but can't you see I'm being crucified? This hurts, Mom. But what did he do? In his greatest pain, seconds before he breathes his last breath, he says, Mom, I never had anything of worldly goods, but I've got a friend 
that I developed a friendship with. He will take care of you. And John, brother, please take care of my mother. How wonderful is that? The most important task of all of history, and he listens carefully. Romans 15, every one of us needs to look after the good of people around us. Is that on the screen? Hallelujah. Let's read it together on 31, 34, 33, 32, 31. Every one of us needs to look after the good of people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Your brothers and sisters, well, I've never asked anybody to help me. You're arrogant. That's yard talk. What do you want to do, get up here and pat you on the back? I say that in the name of Jesus. Pride is a killer. It comes before destruction. Lean on one another. Love on one another. Romans 12, when God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. Get in the habit of inviting guests home for dinner and if they need lodging for the night. Let me tell you, lady, your house is not your castle. Your house is a gift from God. Your house belongs to God. God gave you the privilege of having your home. You say, well, I don't like the trashy place. Well, clean it up. You can take the worst of dwellings and keep it clean, and a little elbow grease and paint goes a long way. Mow your grass. Everybody with me? Sure, but it's not a place, well, it's where I just withdraw. It's wonderful. That's what it should be. should be that place of solace. But it ought to also have a front door and a back door, and the front door to welcome people in and set down. Not, let's meet it out back. Let's go here. Let's go there. There is something about the fellowship of the Spirit when you bring a person into the dwelling where God has given you peace, and it is your house. Amen, brother. As soon as I get something else done, we're going to do that. Do it now. I'm just telling you, it's the Bible. Here's what we know. We pay attention to individuals. We sponsor and support emotionally others. We touch people in spite of our pain, in spite of our own need. We reach out. We help them. And knowing that our need is going to be met. That's the power of love, and it's demonstrated right here in this scripture where Jesus is looking at his mother. The needle, maybe it moved a little bit. Some of you said, I got that down, Pat. For all you who are inviting people into your home in small groups, I salute you and say thank you and God bless you for doing that. Your home will be protected and blessed because you've done that. Honor God. Look around for people. Say, I don't know if anybody's got a need. Then get in the arena. Get in the arena. doesn't take long. I just believe the Holy Spirit can speak to people. I he speaks to me. He speaks to me and says, help that person. Pray for them. Holy Spirit pricked me on the just the other day. Call a person up. 
You need to call them. You need to pray for them. Call them up yesterday. Hey, how you doing? I just wanted you to know God laid you on my heart. And I need to pray for you. There's something I need to pray for you about. Boy, that person won't ever forget that moment. And what did I do? Just do the Jesus thing. Don't you think that's right? If you're able to get on your feet, why don't you stand up, put your hands together, and let's thank Jesus. Would you do that? Let's bow for prayer. Maybe, uh, maybe you're lost. And maybe you're not really in tune with Jesus. Listen to me, friend. This is more than a religious experience. It's more than having shaken the preacher's hand. and More than having your name on the roster at the church. This is about a personal, bona fide relationship with Jesus. How is that? Here's what he said. If you want to be my disciple, you want to be my follower, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And if you want redemption, Jesus died for our sins, then if you confess with your mouth, you've confessed that you're a sinner, he will forgive you and redeem you and cleanse you and write your name in the Lamb's book of life. So I don't know all my sins. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I'm tired of living life for me. I want to live my life for you. Take over. Take control. Say to the enemy, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And if you pray that prayer, here's what God will do. God will come in and redeem you. He'll forgive you. He'll care for you. And you will never, ever be the same. So let's just repeat this prayer. Everybody do this all voices here. Please do this. Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I am sorry. I, am sorry. I have misbehaved, I have misbehaved. And, I have and I have sinned. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. But, today, but today, I believe by faith, I believe by faith. as I pray this prayer, I pray this prayer. It, is my confession. it is my confession. Forgive me. Forgive me. I, have I have sinned. Now, Lord Jesus, now, Lord Jesus I, trust I trust you to take control of my life of my and life. be the Lord of my, life. Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, In Jesus name. Amen. 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 I believe God answered that prayer. That prayer changed your destiny forever. That prayer alone gave the enemy his marching orders out of your life. You may be here and you prayed that prayer, and I'm telling you, you got money in the bank, and physically you're doing good, and all of your children right now are making straight A's. And you may have a scrumptious meal that's prepared and vehicles and all, a line of credit that is unbelievable. But what you just did, friend, all that stuff's going to burn and eradicate. But the thing that's going to remain is that relationship you have with Jesus. Because when all that's gone and it can be gone in a moment, what's going to last is what Jesus just did for you. And if you're here and you're physically weak in your body, you're sick, you, you need a healing touch. By his stripes, we're healed. You think 200 stripes and gashes in his back was for nothing? And the bruises that were there, he says, by my stripes, you are healed. 40 is not enough. I, whatever they need to do, let them do it. And they did it. But it was for reason. Is any sick among you? Any afflicted? James, let him call on the elders, those that are trained. Anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith, and they shall be healed. 
Or maybe you've got a grandchild that's been on your heart the last couple of days or a great-grandchild. And they just are, they're missing it. They're arid a long ways off. And they're on your heart. Bring them on down here. Put them on this altar symbolically. Give them to Jesus. As we sing this song, you respond as God directs you. Would you do that? Come on right now. <laughs> 